Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's the 26th of May, 2021, and it's time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. We are this duo here you see on the screen from CBS uh, Sports, Viacom CBS. That over there is the king of Connecticut, Brian Campbell. My name is Luke Thomas, and Brian, it is good to talk to you this morning. I know we've been doing our dad shit this morning, but uh, otherwise, life sounds pretty good, huh? Yeah, quick turnaround. This this will be a hump day shit show, most likely, Luke. I got off the plane uh, 1 a.m. last night from a uh, sojourn to San Juan and extended mm. territories down there in the great territory of Puerto Rico to hang out with the Paul brothers. Uh, a lot of future content to come this week, later this week on CBS Sports, Showtime Sports, etc. A very fruitful get-together. Uh, in fact, I was hoping for adoption into their uh, into their fraternity. But either way, Luke, I'm back. I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go, okay? It is morning combat. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say, Luke. That's it. All right. All right. Here's, the, here's the operative question. You had to mow your yard this morning. True or false? Yeah, uh, yeah, the mosquito mosquito Joe is coming. My wife said so. I had to get up early and mow that shit. So you know, it's it's not all glamour here in the in you know in Factoryville. We got we got to earn our keep. All right. Did you did you you pull out the edge trimmer? Did you do that? No, no. I got into the uh, I got into the rider with uh, shorts and oh. flip flops. No, you know, oh. no glass. Just coffee cup in one hand. Just you know. You know, no care of lines or attention to detail. This, Luke, this you know, you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, and it's like it looks a like, lot like your yard at the end. Yeah, yeah. The, at the end of the day, the neighbors are like, "Wow, our neighbor is really quite the multitasker. He can both have a cup of coffee, mow his yard, and touch himself all at the same time." It's yeah, at seven a.m. in the morning, <laughs> and not read the morning combat rundown. So it was really a fruitful uh, morning that that, uh, that I put together there. You know, so. well, look, right. welcome back. Good to have you here. Good to have a show today. We actually do have. Some stuff. Our producer kind of put me on tilt yesterday because he sends us a note being like, bro, what are we going to talk about? There's nothing. And to be fair to him, there aren't exactly major topics, but there are some things we're going to get to. So we'll get some leftovers from the last UFC card. We'll get to a little bit of a look ahead with the Devin Haney fight and then some stuff in between. As always, thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. BC, I can't quite see through the screen what your sign says. Is this a future oh, Java jerk? Yeah, so here's the deal, Luke. Uh, I, I I thought this Floyd fight was like a month from now. It's actually next week, Luke. You and I will be in Miami, and Brendan Schaub's going to be there. So, Luke, you had mm. mentioned multiple times that joining a fraternity, despite my you know misgivings of these organized white gangs that you were part of, was the best thing <laughs> to ever happen to you. End quote. You know, despite your you being it's a not, father. That's actually and a not what I said. But um, okay. So you know, I'm thinking. I mean, you know, if you if you can't if you can't beat them, join them. What what That's are the right. odds that I could get initiated or pledged into that thick boy club you got going on? I mean, maybe I might be surprised. I'd love to be. Maybe I can join the Java Jerks in Miami. Look, all I know is that MK Doc cameras will be rolling. I hung out with the documentarian himself, less than Jake, in Puerto Rico yesterday. So we got a lot of fun ideas. I hope though that BS will play ball with me. Okay, Luke. I hope. Well, I can't make him. I guess we shall see. If not, there's always Lambda, Lambda, Lambda for you. Okay, Brian Campbell? Is that a, Revenge, the way, of the, is that a Revenge of the Nerds reference, Luke? I love that it shit. It is. It is. Because I'm Hair 40 pie? and that's all I've got. 
Uh, I will say, uh, the quote about the fraternity, BC, just to refresh everyone's memory, was, for my social life in college, it was the best decision that I made, and it absolutely was. Highly recommend anyone who's in a similar position to do what I did. I will, dude, will, uh, but seriously, it. I'd love to get together with with, with you and Brendan, talk uh, Doge coin, and, you know, and just, just you know, it'd be I great, I think it's right? Doge coin. Uh, NXT, but I don't, whatever. I don't, I don't own any pretend internet money, so I don't know how yeah. fruitful a discussion that might be. But yes, if there's a chance to hang out with Brendan, we should do it. I just don't know. I haven't talked to him about it, so I guess we'll have to see how it goes. One team, one dream, Shab. I'm ready. All right? I'm ready. Uh, let's see. So if you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. We all are a part of the Showtime family here, to in one extent or the other. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go pounce. And BC, I've got our old merch on. You see, you got a morning combat shirt. I don't know if you have the ATS. I don't think that's what that's all the smoke. But you can go to store.show.com. You can get all the smoke merch there too, by the way. You may or may not need it, but we have morning combat merch there. Merch 2.0. You know. I mean hey, speaking Loch Ness of ATS, Monster, Bigfoot. Shout out to Captain Jack for squashing this uh, Kwame beef, you know? Shout out. Mm. I didn't see what happened. You know, they put it away. That's what you gotta do. You know what I mean? I've saw, see, I've seen Kwame Brown open up on everyone. It seems these past few days. Did they finally squash their beef or something? They did. They did, and I give okay. uh, Stack a lot of credit for that. Stack has love for those who have love. Luke, I want to have a lot of love. I want to be in that crew. All right, I'm, I'm I'm pledging ATS as well. Okay. All right. Very good. Alpha Tau Sigma. There you go. You can go pledge them or whatever it is. Uh, and then let's see. Last but not least, oh, the email morningcombat at gmail those were, we'll do fan submissions today. That's, of course, where you send them for any point, and we still have Dead Wrong on Friday. So send everything you have to morningcombat at gmail.com. And we have some interviews. We've got interviews with Gervonta Davis out there. We've got some interviews with a bunch of people. We've got some interviews down the line coming. So listen, youtube.com slash morningcombat, where you're watching right now. Go there and uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, all that kind of stuff. All right, BC, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, first topic is something we did not get to on Monday. It still comes to us from UFC Fight Night Font versus Garbrandt. Let's get to it now. It's the Shabazian and Hermanson fight. Now, Hermanson ends up winning a unanimous decision, 29-28. So the fight went the full three rounds. And in fact, if you watch it, I watched it one more time this morning, just to be clear. Shabazian does really quite well in the first round. In fact, I think he won it. He had a great jab. He had a great answer for the jab of Jack Hermanson, B.C., Round two, I thought, was competitive, but probably belonged to Jack Hermanson. Round three was a bit of a disaster for Edmund Shabazian, where he got basically taken down almost right away and then held down and beat until basically the round was over with a little bit of difference there uh, you know, at, at various spaces in between. Okay, BC, are we overreacting to the second loss, not only of the career of Edmund Shabazian, but the second in as many fights... Or is there something to be said about the matchmaking here, that this was the wrong fight to make at the wrong time for Edmund Shabazian? Yeah, there's a little bit of that because this was like a, you know, title, almost like future title contention type shot where the winner was going to be catapulted up. And I think, like, it's tough for me to come on and say here, Luke, that, you know, this was, you know, this or that. When just last, what, a couple days ago, we said, look, for Valerie Lareda, who's in a different spot than Shabazian, but still it's the same thing, a, a someone with bright potential who's climbing the ladder. Um, you know, we said, look, it's early. You can take losses in MMA. I mean, Aljamain Sterling had those back-to-back -back defeats early in his UFC run at a time when he looked like he could be one of those next things in that division. 
But in this specific case, Luke, this had much more damaging results from my point of view for Edmund Shabazian. Even though I liked him coming back and taking the risk by going right in there against a tough opponent, not a get well fight, not a let's see where we're at. And even though I liked the way he dealt with the loss again afterwards in terms of his quotes, Luke, this is the second straight implosion. And right now, Edmund Shabazian, who is uber talented in certain areas, is giving me really, really large Amir Khan vibes in boxing. And if you're not a boxing guy, Amir Khan, I call them the greatest first-round fighter in boxing history. He comes out there with those lightning-quick combinations, and he puts it on whoever he is in the ring with. Dropped Maidana with a body shot. Was all over Danny Swift Garcia until Garcia knocked him out. Khan is one of those guys, Luke, who in three of the four most important categories in boxing is like superstar elite, hand speed, combinations, all that. Edmund Shabazian in round one looked like a freaking killer, as advertised. Incredible striker on the feet. But as the fight wore on, his lack of a ground game on the level of Hermanson showed, uh, maybe Gas Tank showed, and Luke, I saw that that thing that thing that you can see where, you know, he didn't just get beat by a better fighter in Hermanson. I think he kind of imploded a second time. Now, again, in reference to the Loretta conversation, you can take losses in MMA. You can bounce back from them much easier than in boxing where the, the L is like a scarlet letter when you're a prospect rising up. But even with all that said, Luke, I have high-level concerns that Shabazian, who put the law put the the loss before this on stamina right he came into this fight against Hermanson just saying look I guessed out in that fight before you know I didn't have anything left and I can respect that fighters need to sort of build as they go you know you, you don't have five round stamina right away you got to build as you go Stipe Miocic learned that in the first Junior Dos Santos fight but I, I'm, I'm a little bit more scared than all of these other references I'm making Luke is this justified this is an interesting one. I had missed the fight initially in real time, and then I went back and I watched it close to seeing what the Twitter reaction was, and I sort of understood it to a degree. I was like, okay, all right, fine. Then I rewatched it this morning, and I have less of the same feelings, but a lot of the same dread. I do think that the Amir Khan analogy is, is well served, and as much as a boxing MMA analogy can be, I, I like that. I, I would also say to me, like, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, what went wrong for Edmund here? His, his striking is good. Like, it's really good. He'll, he, he may win or lose on it, but, you know, he's fine. I don't, I don't think that's really too much of a cause of concern. And we've seen his offensive wrestling. BC, we saw it against Darren Stewart. He went 15 minutes basically offensively wrestling the guy, not striking. That was pretty smart. So that's not so bad. But the two things combined against a guy like Jack Hermanson, I actually would argue three things combined against a guy like Jack Hermanson are going are to hurt you. One, his defensive wrestling is okay, but not great. Two, he's got cardio issues, man. He's got cardio issues. We've seen it in the last two fights. Now, understand something. When I say cardio issues, I don't mean insurmountable obstacles that he could never overcome. He's 23 years old. I have to believe a 23-year-old who has had these two kinds of losses where it's a combination of skill, and in this particular case, definitely a combination of cardiovascular uh, endurance, essentially, that hurt him. But I do think we should say one more thing, BC, and it's something that doesn't come up all that often. I really wonder how you feel about it, especially because you obviously you cut your teeth in the boxing trade. The more advanced MMA gets, the more I see a case for having additional weight classes. Now, not, not as a way to make business better. I don't offer it to you as that kind of a solution. 
But I'm seeing more and more these tweener guys, these guys who would be great at 175, 165, 195, depending if that's how they wanted to go in that direction. And I think a guy like Edmund Shabazian probably fits in that role. Hermanson was way too big, and he had a skill differential too. Don't misunderstand me. He was just better on the floor. But the fact that he had such a, a, a size advantage given the circumstances to me was alarming. I want to bring up one point to UBC, and I'd love to see how you feel about it. I was trying to think back. What's an example of someone moving up five pounds but it having a really big effect? Now, this was a while ago, but it stands out to me. I remember when Matt Hughes went from 170 to 175 to fight Hoist Gracie. Now, Hoist was out of his depth in that one no matter what. But I remember that five-pound allowance, dude, Matt Hughes came in fucking yoked at the weigh-ins. I could not believe how much different he looked. And he used every bit of that plus skill to demolish Hoist Gracie. I think we are undervaluing at this advanced stage of MMA where everyone's gotten so good. We've got much better athletes. Dude, weight difference, weight differences, this is not 2003 anymore. They're going to make a real big difference, especially, BC, if your cardio is not on point. No, that, that, that's a fair point. Um, it's still it's troubling. And, you know, maybe the American comparison isn't perfect because Khan's issue was his chin. And that he was, you know, just too offensive, and he would fade a little bit as the fight went on, and then he looked like, you know, average by down the stretch. Where in the beginning he looked sensational. Either way, Shabazian's got to figure this out, Luke. I don't know if it's just the the balancing of his stamina. He's got to build a, a deeper gas tank. I, I'm not sure what it is. It's just that like, there's a difference between somebody running out of gas though and somebody imploding i saw almost a helplessness down the stretch in this fight and and it's such a contrast to how talented he is on his feet and how talented he is early in a fight that i hope he figures it out uh maybe he needs a couple fights against lesser com, com you know um competition to do that he was one of these guys that we picked at a young age who had sublime skills and had the connection with uh edmund tarverdian who you were just like oh my god maybe he will be the next big thing but uh uh still time but i'm, I'm worried the, the last time, the last thing I'm i'd worried. say on this too is that like i've seen these like did, did, he, did we lose him where did he go i'm right did here you there ah, okay 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 i thought i thought you went out uh, the one thing also should be said, we, we brought it up before, but it, it bears a little bit of repeating here, which is that um, you, you'll start to see these guys out of the regional scene who've got one of their tricks, and not even a trick, one of their skills. I'm just I'm using a, the words in a, in, a, in, a, in a very informal way, uh, and they can just blast through a whole lot of people, including some decent contenders on the way. But that doesn't mean they've been fully audited. That doesn't mean they've been put through their paces. To me, what it shows is that everything you think about the striking of Evan Shabazian is probably pretty true. I don't think that we saw anything that undoes that. The problem is everything else. And at 23 years old, I think it's a very solvable problem. But it goes to show people were hammering uh, Edmund Shabazian's team for letting this fight happen. I'm a little less... I probably wouldn't have taken this fight, but I, I, I don't think that's really the biggest issue you could uh, the hill to die on. But I do think now, now you've got two clear examples of big dudes who have good wrestling who could just put it on this guy, especially late when he gets tired. The next fight for him needs to be carefully made. He can be something great. He already is pretty something good. But until he gets the right career management to be put in that place, and you know maybe he asked for this fight too. Let's be clear about that. Uh He's going to continue to have problems. I'm still cheering for Coach Coach Edmund, you know? Tarverdian and the head movements, I'm still, I'm still cheering for you. I'm still in your corner, okay? Team Armenia, thank you. 
And the last thing, yeah, the last thing is also like these guys coming off the contender series, you know, knocking people out in 30 seconds. Dana White loves it because it's, you know, it's good for ratings. It's good for the show. It, it is awesome. First round knockouts are amazing. But the problem is they don't tell you a whole lot about the full totality of someone's skills. Um, that's where we are. All right, topic number two. This was interesting, BC. Now, George St. Pierre revealed some of the rules had the De La Hoya about the exhibition or whatever it was going to be had it gone forward. We know that it won't happen because the UFC has forbade St. Pierre from making any money in this particular way, uh, for better or for worse. But here's what he said, St. Pierre, quote, it would have been bigger gloves. Now, how big? I don't know. 14, 16, 18 ounces. I, I, I don't know what they would have been. Two-minute well, well, rounds. Uh, normally, it's, it's um, well, it's eight-ounce gloves below, I think, 154 pounds in boxing and 10-ounce gloves uh Above that, so, it, I mean, it probably, 12. yeah, 12, 12, 14, yeah, yeah, that's a fair yeah. point. Um, so the terms were different to accommodate it to make it more like a show. It's less dangerous. Part of the profit, part of our purses would have been given to a charity. Unfortunately, it did not happen, but it would have been fun. Brian, we, we won't see it, but what do you make of St. Pierre willing to fight De La Hoya for two-minute rounds, eight rounds, bigger gloves? I actually think it would have been really fun. I think that's the type of fight that that Triller should be going after right now uh, th than some of the other stuff that we're seeing. You know, like that. There's a lot of interest in there because it's potentially competitive. Now, you know, as long as De La Hoya is not a physical mess, and he's 47, and but he looks to be in pretty good shape, even though you know mentally and decision making wise, he, he sometimes all <laughs> or regularly all over the place. You'd have to believe that you know that's a fight. That could be competitive. Also, that Oscar should win. Um, I wish we could see it. The reason why we're not seeing it just just you know rubs me the wrong way. That Dana still has some type of control over GSP's frozen contract. Even though again, this is a fight that would have been in another sport altogether. It's not like he's saying I want to come back at Bellator and 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 fight Logan Paul in a in an MMA match. No, it's not. That's not what we're saying here. Yeah, it's a freaking boxing match. But with all that said, uh, DC, you know Daniel Cormier, he made a lot of headlines in reaction to this, Luke, on that on that. Uh, Canadian show he does where he said uh, he's glad it's not happening because it would have been really bad for MMA to have GSP go in there against Oscar, who's obviously a, a loud mouth, right, and, and takes shots at MMA all the time, except for that time that he put on that really bad pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> that it would have been really bad for MMA had GSP gone in there and lost to Oscar. I, I, I don't get with that really, really well, Luke. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory. You? Yeah, so the, that sounds to me like he's parroting the official UFC party line on that one, which is, listen, I understand why the UFC has a little apprehension about this. If you were the UFC and you went through all this work for promotional and, you know, frankly, existential credibility, uh, and then some of your most decorated champions were out there, let's say, getting stiffened by old or bad or retired boxers one after the other. You'd be like, okay, all right, what are we doing here? But like on some level, there's a lot of issues at play, as you indicated. One, you know, St. Pierre probably should have a right to make money at this stage off his fighting ability, whatever's left of it, especially in a, a, a bout like this. And listen, I probably would lean towards De La Hoya. And do I need to see GSP versus De La Hoya under any rule set? No, I don't. You don't need to see any of this stuff. It's quite obviously just sort of combat sports junk food. But I got to tell you, BC, I don't think I would have hated that as much. No, Two they're real close athletes. enough to their they're close yeah. enough to their physical primes. And GSP was obviously a really good boxer in the MMA space, and he's a lot younger than Oscar. 
He's got a great jab. I mean, look, you could talk yourself into it actually being like a de decent theater comparative to like Evander Holyfield against Kevin McBride, which is another totally. thriller fight that just it's just sloppy shit, right? Like nobody really cares about it. Um, which I don't know. Did you see Oscar came back? And this is usually how these conversations end. Oscar's like, okay, Dana, if you, if you can't let me fight GSP, then I want to fight you, you bitch. I mean, that's not going to happen. This ain't, this ain't 2006. Plus, you know, Dana's not that dumb. I mean, come on, Oscar. Yeah, that would not go well for Dana, I don't think. Um, no. Even as They, they as, should do you know, a cliff jumping competition. That'd be a little, a little well, it'd probably be one-sided too. Yeah. How about a fist fight in the air after you jump off of a cliff? You can only fight in that space before you hit the water. Does this get creative? out here i'm just yeah. pointing out of all the different crossovers i've seen like what was there what was there in it for us between like mir and tarver i don't know but it felt like whatever this has it has a lot more of it than yes. mir versus tarver or mir versus cunningham it feels like there's a very narrow window where you can make one of these permutations kind of work this feels like the alchemy actually made some gold this time yeah but no one's taking home that gold because of uncle dana but Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. All right. Uh, topic number three, if you'd like to move along. This is a short one, but I, I would just love to get your interest in it. So Dana White has a plan in mind. Now, nothing official that I have heard, but he did speak to it, talking about Mackenzie Dern. Now, she's back at 115 pounds and has been since the birth of her kid. And frankly, that looks to have lit a fire under her. She's been pretty amazing since then. He has said, Dana White, that she has a fight coming up. Quote, she does have a fight coming up. I was just talking about this this morning. We haven't announced it, I'm sure, but I'll give it to you anyway. Hopefully it's done. My people hate it when I do this. She's taking on Marina Rodriguez next, which is a great fight, BC. Great. Okay, first impressions. Like it, love it, hate it. Where are you? Love it. Love it. You know I love this division, first and foremost. It's all killer, no filler all the time. Look, I was kind of early on the turnaround for Dern and saying, look, She's looking like a future title contender. Now, her last two fights, specifically her last one, really put that into focus, especially the shape. Look, you know, the physical shape, I don't try to get into that a lot. I don't try to be a body guy. But Dern got into a much serious level of physical shape. You can see the muscle tone, all that. Like, she's going for it right now. Did she come back a little bit too soon after giving birth? You can always argue that. But she's in a zone mentally and physically right now. She's ready. Luke, she's a title contender. This is legit. And obviously, there's certain marketing elements. She's sort of a quasi, you know, Rousey 2.0 in some weird ways, too. This is a great fight to find out how good she really is. And if she wins this, Luke... She's not far outside of that title picture, which is which is a tight circle right now, right? You know, of those names that we debated, uh, you know, on, on Monday show in terms of who who should be next for Rose and where does Joanna fit in, and you got you know you got Carlos Sparza coming off the big win and all that. Uh, oh, by the way, dude, I got bored. Chino depoted hardcore on that whole Asparza uh, uh, rant. I'm blocking people left and right. I mean, I, you what, know. what what happened? Because I, I, I fumbled my words and, and Yogi Berra did and basically said that, you know, Asparza <laughs> looks like a new fighter and she's on the way to, to getting to a level that she's uh, she's never been before. And, and people are like, oh, this asshole, she was already champion. Yeah, I know that. I was at that fight in Las Vegas in 2014. I know she was already champion. But even though she finished that version of Rose, she didn't look like a killer back then. First time ever, this fight, she kind of looks like a killer. So that's where I was going yeah. with that. But, you know, ha-ha. Listen, ha, I got internet. bad news for you. The internet is not always fair. 
I have to. <laughs> I have to tell you, not yeah, always is, fair. That is true. I guess I got to just sit back and and and, uh, and and count them rocks, Biatch, and just enjoy it. Um, but you know, but look, look, this is a very good fight. Marina Rodriguez is one of those just difficult, perfect tests to find out if somebody's ready for that title picture. Or if Marina herself is ready, if she gets by Dern, that's why you love this fight. Luke, I want to spin it back on you and just really focus on on the game and the evolution of Dern. Do you agree with me by this point that, like, this could be a future champion? Even though she may not have, like, let's say the most perfectly well-rounded game, it's very ground-heavy still, even though she's improved her striking. I, I think she's in play as somebody who can wear that belt in the next, you know, 18 months. I think she's a real threat. I think she's a real threat. I mean... Let's talk about where she fumbled a little bit. It was in 2018, so she had that Amanda Cooper fight where she came in for a 115 fight. She came in at 123. I mean, Dominic Cruz was right. He was like, uh, you know, basically, if you miss weight by that much, you're not even trying. Like, you're not even. You're, you're almost trying to sabotage it. You're, you're two points or two pounds away from the next weight class. I mean, it's an insane amount of uh, irresponsibility. Then she fought Amanda Hebos in 2019 and lost. But since then. She's had four fights. Hannah Cyphers, Randa Marcos, Verna Janjiroba, and then Nina Ansaroff. She won three of those via submission. All three of those wins came with a performance of the night bonus. And the one she didn't get against Janjiroba, who, 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 by the way, also an accomplished black belt herself, which Mackenzie won that one walking away too. Uh, she has been absolutely reformed. But BC, I, I'm glad you brought the way in which, in which she has been reformed. It's not like her striking went to the next stage. It's pretty good. It's okay. Definitely, she it's doesn't functional. mind sitting in the pocket. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, but it's functional to set up what she does best, right? Right. And now what she does best, she's bringing to life. A lot of these people are like, oh, I want to use my striking now that I've been training it, and they kind of lose sight of what got them there. Demi and Maya you know, had that issue and then kind of got back to it. She had like a mini version of that a mini version of trying to figure out who she was. She's still working on the striking. Still, she's still working on all the incorporations to get there, and she's going to need that, by the way, against someone like Marina Rodriguez, who I think has good takedown defense, good framing. You're going to have to really get inside on her, and that's going to come from the stand-up to an extent because her wrestling shot is not super athletic blast double type. She's going to have to work her way inside, but on the ground, dude, she has become a very no-bullshit operator. Once it's down, she is hunting for better position right away, right away, without a moment's notice. She can do it on top. She can do it on bottom. She has a lot of different tricks, and you're just seeing her have a very clear... This is what I've noticed, BC, in her larger life, in her larger purpose, and in her game, it just seems like she has a lot more focus and direction about where she's headed and how she wants to get there. And we've all had those moments in our own careers, Luke, where it's like, okay, we're pretty damn good at this, but... Are we trying to be a killer? Are we trying to be our absolute very best? Do we really want all the smoke? Are we daring to be great? Masvidal found that spark, right, in some reality show in the woods in Central America. Whoever uh, Mackenzie Dern found it, she found it. And while we are talking about the evolution of her game and giving her the respect, this is the longest we've ever talked about her without speaking of the evolution of her accent, Luke. Your thoughts? There is no controversy about the evolution of her accent. Uh, By the way... If you look at the career of Marina Rodriguez, she has a weird one, right? She has the draw against Marcos. She has the wins against Torres and Aguilar, which are good. She has the the draw to Cynthia, then the split to Carla, and then the last two fights, she has wins over Hebas, who she just dummied, and then Michelle Waterson. What do you make of her evolution since entering the UFC? You know, she kind of surprised me by 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 becoming suddenly a contender who's sort of like wow she has a 
a very tough style to look good against, a very tough style to get over the top against. I don't know if she's completely turned that corner where I'm like, you know, she's a killer, she's a finisher, she's going to go in there and, and, and wreck shop and, and challenge for the title. I still see her as a tough out on the way to the title, but those last two wins are, are especially coming off of a loss, they're, they're very impressive. So I need to see more. She's, uh, she's smart, Luke. She she's a you know she's a tough out in there. Uh, you can't look great against her, and and this is why this matchup is so good. I did want to dead wrong you quickly. It's it's Nina Nunes. Can you put some respect on that family's name? Yes, yes. I keep doing that. It's a bad habit. I apologize. But you're right. It is in fact Nina Nunes. Although on Wiki they still have her as Nina Ansaroff. So that's where I got my bad idea. But you're right. It definitely. I've made that mistake a few times. Uh, I don't know when that would be. But really would love to see that one. I love that matchup. Classic striker versus grappler, but in a very modern kind of way. And winner of that one, dude, let's quickly look at the rankings here for just a second. In that division, depending on how it goes, at, sitting at women's strawweight, you've got Dern at six, and you've got, uh, you've got her opponent, Rodriguez, at five. So it makes all the sense in that one. Above them, BC, Yan Xiaonan, who's out of the picture for the moment, Asparza, okay, and then Yoana and, and Zhang Wai Li. Dude, there's a huge fight for the winner on the other end of that. Not a title shot, but maybe a title shot eliminator. Exactly. But I want to ask you now that we're, we're focusing on the 115 title picture, because I could do this all day on Morning Combat. Uh, we got not dead wrong, but people saying, what the hell, BC and Luke? When we talked on Monday and sort of said, look, you know, my personal belief is Esparza deserves and will get the Rose title shot in that rematch. Great storyline. Esparza showed us everything we needed to see out of her in that win. And we were sort of like, well, what's next for Zhang Wei Li? Because I really feel like she's going to be one more win away from getting back into a title shot. Everyone's like, hey, wake up, Morning Combat. Zhang Wei Li versus Yoana Champion Part Duh. Duh. Uh, Luke, you know, it sells itself. But is that the right fight to make right now? Like, I don't know. It's just, it seems to me it's one of those fights where you make it when you don't know what else to do and it's a spectacle because of the first fight. Do you match those two up again a second time because of how close and how freaking vicious? Am I trying to protect both of them? Because I know they're both savages and they'll do really bad things to each other and shorten their careers, Luke. Jesus, man. I, I can't. I, would those two even want that fight after what they did? You know, like... I don't know. The fact that... You know, Zhang Wai Li is making this out to be like, oh, I, do, I wasn't used to the booing in Florida. And yes, the howler monkeys throwing their feces at you, if you're unaccustomed to it, can be a little bit jarring. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like, dude, let's just, not, let's just not kid ourselves. Your last fight was an absolute game changer for your career, both in the sense of the accolades you get from winning. And also, like, you'll never be the same after that. Now, how much of a degradation? I don't know. But you cannot, t you cannot watch that fight and say she didn't leave at least a little bit of a piece of herself in that. And I think partly just trying to rebound off that was difficult. She wants to go right back into that maelstrom. Oof. I mean, I wouldn't hate it, but it's like, I don't know. It's a little bit like a more devastating rivalry of Pacquiao and Marquez. You know, they fought like, it's like, why do those fuckers fight four times? The first three I get. Did they need a fourth? Probably not, but they got one. <laughs> and it was fucking brutal. It was yes. fucking brutal. Yes, it was. Luke, great use, by the way, of the word maelstrom, which reminds me, Luke, of that really awesome and weird ride at Epcot Center uh, in the Norway section of the war of the showcase of the worlds there that they have bastardized and now turned into a frozen let it go ride. Do you know about this? Can you I've, speak I've to this? I've not been to Epcot since I was a kid. I'm going to take my kid at some point, but 
Okay, no, I love I the shit notice. out of Epcot, first of all. Second of all, the Maelstrom was one just one of those weird-ass, kind of scary, just-makes-no-sense rides that was sort of like something you would look forward to, like something that was from a different era but was still around, and then they just come in and disney it. I, I can't take that shit, all right? Yeah, that sucks. I, I, I don't know. I'll... If my kid likes it and leaves me alone about it, I probably would have an opposite view because I'm so tired right now. Um, okay. All right. But in any case, you got a little bit of a log jam at the top of women's straw weight. Different, but somewhat similar to what's happening at the top of men's bantam weight. There's just this unresolved contendership, but it means one way or the other, you're going to get some sick-ass fights, no doubt about it. All right. BC wants to get to this one. Let's go to topic number four if we can, BC. You'd love this one. I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I did yeah, find it crazy. Like a, I, this is like a mini SJW, Luke, right? Yeah, it is like a mini SJW. So BC and I, or BC found, I guess, some interaction online. John Jones deleted all of his tweets here, or at least the vast majority of them anyway. But John Jones put out some kind of tweet saying he was giving birth to something, something big. They, they have the tweets uh, they're telling us. They're going to put oh, up on the, the screen. Just, yeah, show just, that Just start shit, putting Mitch. them up. Don't, don't wait for me. Just start putting them up. And... John says, I'm about to give birth to something big, something out of the ordinary. I want to pause Shale, you right there. Hold on, Luke. I want to pause you there, okay? Because we got to tell the story in order. What the right. hell does that mean? I don't know. It doesn't mean much. I don't know. Does I, that I mean tend I'm not building, to... I'm working on my calves for a run at heavyweight? Like, what? Am I, I'm ready to box Jake Paul. What does that mean, Luke? I, this is, I don't follow a lot of fighters on Twitter, you know? So, I'm not, listen. If one of us, if there's anyone who's a, hold on, if there's anyone who's a John Jones whisperer, it sure as fuck ain't me. <laughs> it got me excited, Luke, that we already know he wants to move to heavyweight and announced it. We already know he's rebuilding his body and willing to take a long time to do it, given the complications of his public negotiation battle with the UFC and the fact that Dana and company was basically like, F you, we're sliding in Derek Lewis and Stipe's on deck. See you later, John. Thanks for playing. But when he puts this out, this tells me as sort of the uh, the super fan here, Luke, that like he's giving birth to something internally. We talked about Masvidal's turnaround, Mackenzie Dern's turnaround. What if John just gets nasty on the inside, Luke? Because that's the mentality he's going to need to not just outbox these heavyweights, but go in there with the mentality of finishing them before they finish him. Did you get the same feeling of like, yeah, you know that scene in White Man Can't Jump, Luke, when they're in the two-on-two basketball tournament for brotherly love and the tournament, and they get into like a, like a fist fight between Flight and Willie D, and the referee and the, the tournament is like, hold on, you gotta stop this before we lose our sponsors, and then they cut to the crowd and marcus johnson is the guy in there he's the guy that plays the the, the guy the pickup guy who got the gun you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and he's like mm -hmm. yeah yeah like this is what i came here for yeah like fight yeah you know um that was me reading this tweet like yeah john okay get in get get find an oven get in there and cook up something evil that you're gonna bring out in the cage did you feel what i was feeling luke no no, I didn't feel any of that. I tend to not really look into, like, any any person, because I get this a lot with all the people I follow in the fitness world on Instagram, there's a lot of, like, this self-affirmation, you know, believe, conceive, achieve shit, and I just don't. I It's in one ear and out the other, bro. I, I It, to me, is utterly meaningless, so I don't really pay attention to that kind of a thing. I will right, say well, I pay let's attention. Get, let's get to shit, chill shitting on him then, right? You know, let's, let's get to it. <laughs> 
That's what I came here for. Uh, so then, so then, Chael puts up a tweet saying John Jones is giving birth. Now you can't see the picture there at the top of the tweet because it's uh, whatever reason. But it was just so, sort of like a picture of John Jones making a scrunched face on, like, pasted on top of a pregnant woman. It, it was nothing really to it. At which point, I would love to read these tweets because, boy, John is definitely not mad about this whatsoever. <laughs> uh, to, from from John to Chael, quote. I'll tell you to go fuck yourself or to take my dick out of your mouth, and you'll actually go home and celebrate getting my attention that day. Seriously, man, look at the position we are in. I honestly couldn't imagine hating someone so much. Making YouTube videos about another man who already kicked your ass just to make a dollar. You're so beneath me, it's pathetic. Do we have more? I think we, there are more. Well, that may be if it. We have Manich, more. Put them up. Manich, do you have any more? Or do you have any... Uh, Big Meech? Uh, mi mixed... All right, Do you have so any this, mixtapes is, you want me to share with the producer, Manich? Anything? Yeah, there, there's more of these, BC. What's your reaction to John absolutely in no way, shape, or form of being upset about this? Yeah, I didn't like that, right? Because it shows exactly what you're saying, that, that somebody like Chael, who has now graduated as you know, a retired fighter, but really just the two old guys atop the theater and the Muppets, what, Waldorf and Stadloff? You know, who, what are those guys' names, Luke? Who? Those old guys that just shit on everybody and the Muppets? Oh, Walter Sadler. or Sadorf or some shit? Uh, yeah, that's basically who... That's Chael that's Sutton right now. And the fact that that could so easily entrap Boney... John, you know that that that's a, I don't know, John. You should be you should be you should be above that, right? Get back into that cooker, cook up the, what you're doing right there, brother. Okay, I need John Jones to come back in in three big ways. One. The actual physical comeback at heavyweight. Two, I need him to respond publicly to Dana in terms of this negotiation thing and take another big power move. And three, I, I you know, I, I need him to 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 get into that space, Luke, and find that 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 dragon, find that beast. You know, he hasn't had to bend that beast in a while. And in fact, you can look at how close the recent light heavyweight fights that he had in which we, we we could argue that that Maheta and and Dom Reyes beat him as you know him playing maybe him playing a little bit too much prevent defense Luke just 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 trying to edge people out and, and, and just you know keep what he's built and and no I want I want to see the I want to see I, I want to see you chase the tail of the drag I want to see you go out there and finish people so uh I don't want to see you sparring with Chael I mean Chael did break your toe right that's that's about as close yes. as Chael came. We don't have any of the tweets afterwards, but then Chael here. Let me pull them up because they're just they're just there. They just went on forever. Chael then does the bit where he does the tweets, but he doesn't address them to anyone. But you kind of yes. know who they're about. So here's what he does after he gets sent to hell a little bit by John. First, he quote tweets it, quote, quote tweets it and writes, "Now John, that was hurtful." And then he goes into the following quote: "You've got some grammar problems there, former champ." Spend a little less money on tequila and a little more on an editor. Next one. I beat you. I tore your toe off. Face it. Yeah, well, Chael <laughs> is undefeated, list. so we got to give him that, Luke, okay? <laughs> okay, here's where it starts to get nasty. You tried to play chess against Dana White when you can't win at checkers against Betty White. You're alone, bitter, and bored. Come grapple on SUG again, Submission Underground. Uh, I got right, you. Chael. 5K. <laughs> All right, Chael. Hold on, All hold right. on. He's not done. He's not done. John, get your sub. I got your sub contract here. FedExing to you at the intersection of Irrelevant Ave and Obscurity Street, Nowhere, Nowheresville, USA. Little dad joke there. Not, not my favorite thing. 
Yeah, he should have used the intersection in Albuquerque where John ran from. That would have been a bigger dig, Luke, right? Oh, that would have been good. Uh, Is it my fault my wife is hotter than the pics you had on the walls of your prison cell? Okay. Now we're starting to get ugly. We're going dark here, Luke. And here's where he gets insanely dark. I'd attack your wife, but Yank got one. I guess multiple rehab stints, arrests, and booking it after crashing into pregnant women don't exactly scream marriage material, does it? Oh, wow. Jesus, dude. If this guy ever gets crossed paths with John Jones, it honestly might be terrible for him. You know what I'm kind of into after this, Luke, because of the climate we're in in combat sports right now, and I know Dana would probably ruin this. These two donks boxing? Yeah, on Triller, basically. Yes, exactly. The winner gets Oscar. Yes, that's that's exactly where I'm going with this. I mean, really, Luke, that's the thing. You should be able to settle all street beefs in an organized fighting environment. And if that's the only way Triller can survive by pivoting completely to that, then that's where they should go, Luke, because I would actually care about this. Why? Because I am a gas station eating pro wrestling connoisseuring in the past guy who gets down for stupid trash talk that turns into a fight. Meet me in Temecula. You know the direction I'm going here. Uh, well done by Chael to make this a thing. John, stay quiet until you're ready to, to, to growl. I want to hear that growl. I want to feel it. I want to smell it. I need uh-uh. Angry John Jones at heavyweight, Luke. I need him coming out. I, I need more pictograms. Pico, I need, uh, you, you know Aaron Pico's horse has got that thing. I need Pico, peak that size, picogram size, okay? To just take it all, come, come. If you're going to, what did Harold Scott Howard say that time, Luke? If you're coming on, come on. If you're, gonna, if like you're coming on, then come on. John, it's time to come. Okay, that's that's the new sign that you should put up. Take down future Java Jerk and put out It's Time to Come. That's what you need. And you got to spell it with a U, not an O and an E. That's gross. The U is really <laughs> gross, though. You know? I know. I hate seeing it in written word. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just... The, the, the last thing I'll say about this, BC, is this. It's like, dude, honestly, trolling culture is incredibly immature, and it's designed to be you know, undercutting of just normal decency. It's just really what it's about. But, you know, you can't fight the ocean on this. You just can't, which is to say, he's going to do this no matter what you do. It, do. it doesn't matter at this point. You can either be an active participant in it or you can just be above it as, as pain. Because well, here's what everyone thinks. Oh, if I strike back, I'll lash out strong enough to really stick it to him, maybe shut him up, maybe look better than him. But if he's trolling you, you already look better than him in certain kinds of ways anyway. And if you participate in it, you actually elevate the trolling. I know it has to suck, but you got to just let it let it go. Just let it go. Speaking of Frozen. Luke, is there any way... There's no legal way... Like, if John just gets to a certain point where he's like, I can't work for Dana in the UFC anymore. Like, there's no way you could just get out of your deal right and there's no way they would ever giving his marketing potential just let him go and like go fight rumble under the bellator banner or go fight i don't know go join chatri's uh the apprentice singapore edition like is there any way like could john sit out two years and go to court and then get out of his deal like is his own like he's either gonna fight in the ufc or he's not gonna fight anywhere that that's the truth right that's how the law works correct contract he would have to he, he would have to challenge it so the way he could challenge it is this is why Triller is kind of interesting. GSP could do it. He just refused to. If you sign a contract to fight, uh, let's, let's say Triller offered you a deal. So they offered John Jones a deal to box chill. What they could argue, and I don't know if they would win, but what they could argue is under the Ali Act, that boxing contract 
should be honored and respected and then protected, which means that it would challenge the ability of the UFC to then be their sole promoter of any kind of combat sport. It would just regulate them as it relates to mixed martial arts, and they would have the freedom to then go pursue boxing. But to do that, you're going to have to take them to court, and it's going to take years to get it settled. GSP's in a good position because he's got the money and could fight for it, but he just doesn't want to. So there you go. Uh, maybe GSP realizes it's not worth the squeeze. He can be a UFC legend, show up, glad hand, and, you know, and all that. But uh, I don't know. Could you get yourself jazzed up, Luke? Uh, I'm not saying this because we're Viacom CBS employees, but I'm saying could you get yourself jazzed up in some dream scenario where John, you know, went to Bellator and fought Rumble and Romero and Bader? I mean, it, it would, it'd be wild, right? It would certainly be wild. Yes, I agree. All right, last but not least, this is BC's story. BC loves this story. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but he does love it. So Luke Rockhold did an interview, I believe, with Brett Okamoto of ESPN. And in two that handsome interview, men. Maybe the two most handsome men in MMA together, correct? You should blow them. Uh, oh God, I mean, really, really? That's, I'm, I'm banking off Ioana's quotes to try to, like, double troll you, and you come back with that? I mean, come on. I mean, listen, you say it every time we say either of their names. I mean, I mean what, sort was Joanna wrong? That's, that's all I'm saying, okay? Not, not, about, not about this, no. All right, topic five, Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold does an interview with Brett Okamoto. It says a bunch of stuff in it, including about Kevin Holland working with Daniel Cormier to get better at wrestling. But the bigger one, the bigger one, BC, was about Israel Adesanya. He knows that, of course, Adesanya is going to fight Marvin Vittori. Hell, pretty soon, June 12th, coming right around the corner. Here's what he had to say. I mean, the Italian kid, Marvin Vittori, beat Kevin Holland. He got a title fight. I just don't understand that. He beat a guy coming off of a loss. A lot of these guys need to be proven, need to be tested, Luke Rockhold said. I want someone that excites me, someone that's fun, that's interesting. You can go back and forth with, and the fans get excited about it. He's a character. I appreciate Kevin Holland's character. I think that'd be fun stylistically. Now, he has said he wanted this fight, but he also said, BC, that... The way in which people fight Israel Adesanya, they don't yeah, pick up on the mistakes. The I don't have it in front of me. I do. Mike, Mikey gave you the wrong quote, quote there. Okay. Uh, this is what was on uh, Brett Okamoto's Instagram page, the quote from Rockhold. I know what Israel's capable of. I've been studying Israel for a long time. I appreciate his style, but I think he's beatable in so many ways. I don't think many guys can fight him from the outside. I can if I just stayed relaxed and stay on the outside, it's a game that I can play. And then if we go into the takedowns, I'll do a lot better than Jan did. I'll tell you that. Well, BC, your reaction. So, full disclosure here. Okay, Luke, full disclosure. All right, let's be honest. We all have blind spots, whether we call ourselves real journalists or entertainers like me or just really a glorified keyboard warrior fan. You do the math. I don't care. I don't care what you think about me. You but I love do. Luke Rockhold. I believe in him. I thought he got a raw deal in that UFC debut when he fought that freaking TRT monster, Vitor Belfort, who put off that the tightest spinning shit that we've ever seen, the violent shit. It could have ruined a man's career, but he came back. He won the damn championship. Did he do it because Weidman screwed up? Maybe. But he won the damn championship. Entering the Bisping rematch, Luke. I was ready to tell the world. If he had won that, and he should have, he should have won that because he destroyed Bisping two years before that. Like he was, he had an argument at that point, Luke, as like one of the pound for pound best in the world. Like he had like one of those outside hipster arguments. It was a stud, but it all fell apart there. And and I and I know his his holes, and he's broken my heart. 
but we all have these blind spots. I call them like the nine lives syndrome. I have a nine. I had a nine lives syndrome for Amir Khan, for Zab Judah in boxing, for Adrian Broner. Like I'm always gonna believe, no matter what my eyes are saying, that they can get serious again and come back because I just believe in their damn skills so much. I believe in this guy's size, his striking, his skill. It's just that he has really large blind spots himself, Luke. He fights arrogantly and leaves his chin open. He makes big mistakes in key moments. But I really want to believe that, you know what? On the right night, maybe Luke Rockhold could give Izzy some stylistic problems. Am I freaking crazy, Luke? Am I falling for his good looks and dick charm? He's a dick. dick He's an arrogant dick in person. I didn't mean dick as in as in uh, what you thought I was going. You, I mean like, boy, you were worried about Bohashinya Depot before. Yeah, I guess I Jesus. guess I could get depoted right now. I mean, I did ask you know Luke Rockhold about his DMs on camera that time, and he he no sold the shit out of me. So I know he's been an arrogant jerk, and we saw him on Millionaire Matchmaker. But Luke, the whole point of this stupid ran and this stupid hump day show in which we're both old ass tired men. I kind of believe him. I kind of believe he'd give Izzy an issue, okay? All right? Tell me I'm Listen, crazy. He, he, here's what I'll say. I don't think that you're totally out to lunch on this, but I, I'm a little bit of a different space. I'll meet you halfway. I, there are some fans who would not meet you halfway. I will meet you halfway, Brian Campbell, and I'll tell you why. Because you, like me, watched what he did in Strike Force. You, like me, watched what happened when he came over to UFC and how good he was. Okay, the, the, the Vitor Belfort fight notwithstanding, but the run he was able to put together to becoming champion, the win over Chris it? Wybin. You want to huh? look at it fight by fight, Luke? That run yeah. in the UFC was very impressive, all right? Let, let's hear it. You have it in front of you? I do, I do, okay? So look, you know, he goes five rounds with Jacare in, in that classic uh, strike force fight, right? Beats Jardine and Tim Kennedy, then loses to that TRT monster. Then he gets a body kick KO of Costas Philippou. He submits Tim Bosch. He submits and dominates Michael Bisping in Australia. He One-handed guillotine, yeah. He submits Lyoto Machida, and then he stops Chris Weidman for the title. I mean, that, right. that's, a, that's a run right there, Luke. That's a hell of a run. I mean, here's why I'm willing to meet you halfway. I can't ignore the things that have gone wrong, but I'm not willing to just completely forget all the things that I saw that went right for him and showed how good he was. Like, does he probably have a chin issue? He probably does have a chin issue. Um, I thought going to 205 was the right thing for him given his weight cut issues, but then he was way too big. He was way too slow. That's not his style, so I do think going back to 185, if he can you know, not kill himself in the weight cut, is probably a good idea. I do think on the floor, remember, this was a guy who, you know, other black belts in pure jiu-jitsu was saying when you think about MMA guys with good ground games, Luke Rockhold's right at the top of that list. He didn't show it a whole lot, but remember he had that reverse submission on Tim Boach. He uh, took the back of Lyoto Machida and was just dominating him. Like he can do real good things. Move to mount on Chris Weidman. So like on the ground, I do think he probably has an advantage over Adesanya. But in all the other factors, I would still lean towards the champion. Listen, I'll say this. I'm not ready to throw Chris Weidman at 185 out the door into the trash. Not ready to do that. Or, or Sorry, Luke Rockhold. But I want to see what he's got, dude. I'm not ready to just say, oh, he's going to just pick right up where he left off. Let's see where you're actually at at 185 in 2021, and then we'll make a call from there. He is 36, right? He, But he hasn't been extremely active. One fight per year 
from from 2016 to 2019, and then he hasn't fought since then, so he hasn't been taking a ton of damage. I do agree that there's potential chin issues there, but I think it's an arrogant-based chin issue, Luke, where he just like takes he doesn't take stupid chances. He just he he just operates at such a high level of arrogance that he leaves the do- the back door open. And obviously, you do that against Romero, he's going to stop you. Now, we didn't think Bisping was going to be able to do it, but took Michael Bisping's freaking credit. I mean, he had the right mindset on a short turnaround, and he came in there and he bullied him in the press conferences, got him a little off tilt there, and then walked in and knocked him the hell out. But I, I don't know. I still want to believe, Luke. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just stupid. I mean, I'm really, I'm, you know, that's why I end up on board Chino Depot all the time. This is stu- you pick a stupid co-host, Luke, all right? Yeah, well, you did too, so we're stuck. <laughs> You're stuck, bitch. You're stuck with me. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, with that in mind, those are our topics for the day. I, they say we have an ad read, but there's no ad read in here. So I think, BC, we jump right to the WOD. No, not the workout of the day. It's time for the Wheel of Death, bitches. All right, this Wheel is what we do death. every Wednesday when our fans want us to. Right now, they want it. We're going to give it to them. So the premise is uh, Luke Thomas, uh, he don't want to talk about certain categories, so we have a segment each week where he must. Good faith responses to decently faith questions. It's called the Wheel of Death. Wheel of Death. Great graphic. Oh, God. Ten categories, five spins. It's all random. You get what you get. Here are your ten categories for this Wednesday, Luke. Here we go. Big Booty Bellator. P4 PPV. Persona Non Fabia. Welter Skelter. Pimping. Surprisingly easy. MMA Royalty. Find the Pickle. So Much Showgirls. Revisionist Mystery. And Reach Around for the Stars. Luke. Take the wheel, brother. All right, let's see what we get here. This ought to be fucking stupid. (laughs) Hey, P4 PPV. Admit it, Luke. It's a weird time for combat sports pay-per-view sales. Will you admit it? Sure. Showtime flew me to Puerto Rico for 26 hours yesterday to hang out with Logan and Jake Paul. That might be the greatest example of this. You got Dana White openly shitting on John Jones for not being a pay-per-view draw. Bob Arum just did the same again, talking to The Athletic about Terrence Crawford yesterday. Meanwhile, the highest-selling boxing pay-per-views since Mayweather Pacquiao in 2015 have involved these names, Luke. This is boxing. Conor McGregor, Ben Askren, and 54-year-old Mike Tyson. With all of this batshit craziness in mind as terms in terms of who are actually the biggest pound-for-pound brands in this combat sports game, and with full knowledge, Luke, that June 6th on Showtime pay-per-view, Floyd versus Logan is probably going to do gangbusters. It is what it is. Present to me right now, from number five to number one, a pound-for-pound ranking of the five strongest combat sports pay-per-view brands at this second right now. In terms of uh, anywhere who can draw from a, a fight? like In terms any... of who could you put out there almost against any opponent that is a guaranteed draw? What are the five most important brands this second right now in combat sports? Okay, so let me list them, and then we'll figure them out. All right. Um, in no particular order, I'm going to say Connor. Big. Does Habib count? Uh, he's, he's retired, right? 
I mean, Ali told retired Tyson, and not yeah, he's retired and not willing to take anything, which is different than like Saint Pierre or something, you know. Yeah, and didn't his manager Ali tell Mike Tyson and Henry Cejudo that he turned down one hundred million to box Floyd? Didn't didn't you see that? I did see that. I mean, who that knows means he ain't true. coming back, Luke. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, everyone's got a price, does he? Um, let's see. All right, so you got Connor. I would go with uh, honestly. I would go with. Mm, I think is Floyd can Floyd still draw? He can still draw, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Floyd yeah. Floyd has only like the you know the seven biggest pay per views in combat sports. Okay, history, but the know? last one, the Broner pay per view, no, not the Broner. I'm sorry, the Berto pay per view. Well, that not... wasn't expected to do well. He did bounce back with Connor and uh, you know. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So let's say Floyd, Connor, and Floyd. I'll say God. I might have to throw Mike in there. I might have to throw Mike. I will say. Um, Mike Tyson? You're, you're putting Mike Tyson? Yeah, I mean, it's fair, fair. You said under the right. Well, I mean. Yeah, I don't no, know you're if right. You're right. Mike, yeah. you're right. If the proof was in the putting against Roy Jones, right? Now, I don't know the answer to this. So you could tell me, isn't. Who's a bigger star globally? Fury or Joshua? Joshua. Joshua? Yes. Joshua, right? Yes. Yep. So let's go Joshua. And then for that fifth one, I mean, you begging me to put a Paul brother in there? Because I don't really know what they draw. I don't draw. see how you don't have both in there right now, Luke. Okay? I don't see Because that. we don't, don't know what they you. actually draw. That's the problem. All right, all right. We from don't have really... From Logan's standpoint, that's that's fair. We did not get the numbers from when he fought on DAZN in that main event. And although that, that one that they did for $15, that exhibition, sold really well. It did. It did, Twitch, but it was... Yeah, it, so, it's, so I'm not... I'm not see, here's the thing. I'm not excluding them from, from the conversation. But until we have a little bit more concrete, it's like, can we say that they sell more than Canelo? Maybe, but I don't know. So if Joshua's not, I'm going to put hard to, Joshua's hard to decipher because um, he does over a million in the UK per pay-per-view, but in the UK they charge much less. Yet, right. Joshua demand, you know, he got a $60 million site fee in Saudi Arabia, and he does eighty and 90000 on the regular in soccer stadiums. So, right. Yeah. He seems like a big deal. So I'd go somewhere in there. But like where it gets more interesting is five to ten. Because then I think the Paul brothers might show up. Certainly one of them might. You're gonna get um Man, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure but who the, would be out there, but it'd the, be it'd be interesting. The point of this exercise though was for you to declare in order basically which brand at this second is the strongest. Yeah, Floyd's brand's still pretty strong, I guess. So would you put him at one? Would you put Connor at one? I still would put Connor at one. I still would put Connor at one. Okay. I think I'm, he verifiably sells more than those guys. Ver listen to the keywords, verifiably, you know. I think you gotta put Jake Paul up there, dude. I think you have to. I mean we'll see, listen, right? What, listen, it, we'll see. We'll see what he does. We'll see what he does, but I, I'm not listen. I, I have a positive attitude, BC. I can't fight the rain anymore. It's just gonna rain, okay? Might well, as well I'm just not, get an I'm umbrella. Yeah, my, listen, I'm not in favor. Listen, I'm not in favor of it, but I can't fight the rain. I might as well just get a fucking umbrella at this point. Hey, we so, should we should all join the Java Jerks. It's you, me, Shab. It's uh, it's Jake and Logan Paul. We're all on the same team, bro. All right, are we? I, I don't really see myself in that way, but I'll I'll just say this: I'm not opposed to giving them what they're due, but I don't want to give them their, their their props based off of hype and innuendo. I want to see real results okay. one way or the other. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Luke, spin it again. Spin All the right. black circle. Right.
Oh, Jesus. Luke, when was the first time you shot and killed a man? What? <laughs> hey, Welter Skelter. Welter Skelter! You're coming down fast! All right, well, we're, we'll, we'll delete that in the after show. Luke, despite having, once having, the same champion for over 2,000 consecutive days, the UFC's welterweight division has actually had the third most title changes in UFC history. 12 in all, the only divisions that have had more are heavyweight and light heavyweight. So it's trivia time here on the Wheel of Death, Luke. Beginning nice. with Kamaru Usman's 2019 victory over Tyron Woodley. Go backwards over the 21-year history of the 170-pound division within the UFC and provide, in order, the previous 11 times the title changed hands, telling me the fighter who won and the fighter he defeated. All right, so in other words, who took the title from who backwards? Yes. Okay. Kamaru took the title from Woodley. Woodley took the title from Lawler. Lawler, Lawler took the title from Hendricks? 2014, correct. Yep. Uh... And I believe that was vacant, or did he have the belt? He had the belt outright, right? Yes, Johnny so, had it outright. Yeah, so but but Johnny got it from a vacancy, essentially. From in twenty fourteen, who did he defeat though, Luke? Uh, Lawler. Correct. Right. You're on a run here. All right. So Saint Pierre had it before that. Uh, Saint Pierre defeated Matt Hughes. Uh, you, well, you missed hold one, on. Luke. Let's back. Let's back up a step. Saint Pierre defeated Matt Sarah to get 2008, it. Two thousand eight. Correct. Matt Sarah defeated St. Pierre to get it. 2007, yep. Uh, St. Pierre defeated Matt Hughes to get it. 2006, yes. Matt Hughes defeated, uh, let's see, he defeated, was it Carlos Newton to get the belt? Uh, no, sorry. He picked it up from the abandoned title fight because Penn had it before that. Right. Who did who did Matt Sarah, Matt Hughes beat in two thousand four for the vacant title after BJ Penn went to Pride and gave was up it the Frank title? Trigg? Uh, it was was GSP. it uh, was it, oh the first Saint Pierre fight. Hold on, let yes. me finish this out. So then he got it from that one, but that was yeah that was the UFC like fifty or whatever the fuck it was. Um, so then before that, uh, did he beat Carlos Newton to get it? BJ Penn defeated Matt Hughes to get it before that. Right, right. Okay, but before, before that is what I'm talking about. Before that, Matt Hughes defeated Carlos Newton in 2001, Carlos Newton. yes. Carlos Newton defeated Pat Militich. 2001, correct. Pat Militich defeated... Fuck, who did he fight to win that? It was 1998, um, Luke. It was the inaugural UFC welterweight title fight. Okay, so hang on. So Pat Militich beat... God damn. Hold on. Don't give it to me. Give me just a second. Who did fucking Pat Militich beat to get that? He beat... I don't know. I, I give up. Who did he beat? Mikey Burnett. I would not oh, have got that, Luke. Fuck. Hey, who had a, you did... Who had a resurgence through the Ultimate Fighter later. That's interesting. You, you did well. You didn't get a perfect score, but you did really well. I would not have been able to recall the 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 the, the, the key. Look, the trick part of this question was those vacancies, Luke, obviously. Yeah, the, the part where it goes St. Pierre, Hughes, Sarah, vacancy, recapture, lose it, blah, blah, blah. There's a little bit of a, a, a lack of organization in there, but otherwise, like, I know the names. Very well done, Luke. Spin three coming up.
Yank. All right, let's see. Luke, when was the first time you stabbed a homeless man and left his body? Oh, MMA royalty. <laughs> hey, all right. Royale Madrid time. Luke, it's, if it's not already circled on your calendar because Floyd versus Logan is that same night on Showtime pay-per-view, I want to remind you that Sunday, June 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern on Showtime is the beginning of a four-part must-see TV event and the launch of the documentary miniseries entitled The Kings, which traces the incredible rivalry in and out of the boxing's middleweight division during the 1980s, of course featuring the legendary four kings, Marvin Hagler, Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, and Thomas Hearns. Luke, I have seen the doc in full, and it's nothing short of spectacular. And what the doc does a great job of doing is showing how important the four kings were to the sport of boxing in the aftermath of Muhammad Ali's fall when a when a star was needed. And uh, four of them stepped forward, though, not just one. Not only were all four Hall of Famers, of course, but the key to their legacy, Luke, is that all four fought each other, sometimes multiple times, and they created the biggest fights of the decade in terms of public interest, uh, in terms of record-breaking fighter purses, in terms of everything. They own the 1980s. So, Luke, despite our attempts to crown subsequent groups of four kings in the sport, including that featherweight group in the early 2000s of Pacquiao, Barrera, Morales, Marquez, this new crop of current lightweights that we're talking about right now of these young kids, none have obviously been able to live up to what the four kings brought. But that's boxing. Let's talk MMA. Thinking back over the short history of mixed martial arts, what is the closest we have come to anything resembling the impact and combined talent level that we saw with boxing's four kings, taking into account that idea that all fought each other and also carried the sport along with it during a particular stretch? So this would be the light heavyweight division in the aughts. You had top light heavyweights at, uh, in the UFC, and you had some in Pride. Now, there were probably more than four. The two biggest out of Pride, probably Rampage and Vanderlei, but you could throw Arona in there as well because he was obviously a big player. There were some other ones there too. And then UFC, it was Tito, Chuck, Vitor, and Randy. Um, Dan Henderson's kind of a player in that space, so True. there's more than four. But you want to talk about that was the time in which those were the big... Like, who were the big stars in UFC at the time? The vast majority from the 205-pound division. It was the marquee division. Tito fought Chuck uh, several times. Randy fought Chuck several times. Randy fought Tito. Uh, Randy fought Vitor. Vitor fought Tito. Vitor fought Vanderlei. Vanderlei fought Rampage. Rampage fought uh, Dan Henderson. Rampage fought Chuck. Rampage fought... You know, you could just go all the way around. Though, and the title got passed a million times in that space. Each guy took turns being the man, especially when Pride and UFC got put together. So around that 2004, 2007 era, that was that's the closest. So that's a great answer. You went a little bit larger of a circle than I expected you to do, and it does make sense given that Pride was right up with UFC at that moment. I thought you were going to go, which I thought was the correct answer, of Tito, Chuck, Randy, and then you can either throw in like Shamrock or Belfort as the fourth for what mm. they did for UFC from the standpoint of, of, of being faces and most of them fought each other. But, you know, you do have to have Dan Henderson and Rampage in that. You also could have given an answer, Luke, of the that light heavyweight title Hall of Fame group of the next era, Rampage, Rashad, 
uh, you know, Machida, John, who all fought each other a bunch of times and, and, yep. and, you know, were the stars of the sport. But I think that Liddell group was much more impactful, Liddell and Tito, at, at taking the sport from broken to something, correct? Yeah, 100%. And I, I thought, I mean, the talent was so rich at 205 that I remember at the time I had a hard time understanding why, like, boxing's cruiserweight was so weak. I had a hard time. I thought like that, like 205 would just be the marquee division forever. And then, of course, what you realize is it's only just a moment in time. And whatever was going on in the world that recruited and produced all of these great names at 205, that was just a moment in time. And, of course, the division has moved on. Um, but at that moment, dude, the, the sun in MMA rose and set at the 205-pound division. No doubt about it. Did we miss uh, a contender for this category because we never got Tony Habib? Could could you have gone Habib, Tony, Connor, and Poiwe? I mean, we never got Tony versus Dustin yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. A little bit less, but a lot of the same kind of things. Yeah. The problem is Tito, Chuck, and Randy fought basically everybody and then yeah. dan and rampage kind of did two later on so like the answer is too easy okay all right very very well handled luke this has been a clean efficient uh wheel of death so far let's keep it going with spin number four by the way can i tell you how many places in dc are cashless now you don't have your card or your phone you're fucked who doesn't take cash I, I don't. I'm not allowed to carry cash because of my uh, gas station food consumption. Look, um, so much showgirls is your category here, Luke. Of course, I'm referencing the 1995 classic, nude heavy, all grown up, Saved by the Bell. Do Do you remember this line from this movie? I got towels. <laughs> I don't remember that line actually. No, th it's almost. I actually have only seen that movie a couple times, but it was it was memorable, Luke. Um, Luke, some movies you just can't stop seeing over. And oh, was that the 90s counters, J-Back? Wow, look at that shit. You just can't stop seeing over and over and over again. Luke, there's no limit to the amount of time certain movies can run in on cable in which you won't instantly stop what you're doing or how many times that you have quoted the lines on this show to your friends. So with that in mind, Luke, for your personal movie watching history, I don't want 10 answers, okay? What is your Mount Rushmore of the four most rewatchable films in your movie watching history. Oh, so two of these are really easy, but I don't know about the other two. Number one, Predator. Probably have seen it 50 million times. I mean, BC. Yeah. Am I a Schwarzenegger diehard fan? Am I a Predator diehard yes. fan? I've got the Predator toys. I've got Dutch. If you guys can't see this, I've got Dutch as an action hero at oh, that's toy. Is he covered in mud? That's badass. He's covered in mud. This is the scene where he's covered in mud. Yes. Go ahead. Kill me. Yes. Do it. Now. <laughs> um. Hey, Luke, real quick. Real quick timeout. Is that a real bookshelf behind you? It is a real bookshelf. I actually have real books on it. Real books that I've read. Can you believe Shout that? Shout to Americans. All right. Yeah. Uh, in any event. So Predator, number one, easiest call on earth. Number two. Empire Strikes Back. Ooh. If Empire Strikes Back comes on TV, I even have Disney Plus. I don't even need to watch it that way. But I got to tell you, bro, there's something about fucking, hey, I don't know what else is on, but I know Empire Strikes Back is on. Easy yes. call. All right. So those are two. Third. 
Man, see, this is where it gets hard. Um, I will go. Like, what do I just rewatch all the time on TV? I assume you I will go Bloodsport. So that's on the list. Um, it's also a function of like what they play. You know, like what what do I rewatch all the time in that way? I would probably go Bloodsport. I could probably put that on there. And then, last but not least, I would say, God, there's a couple of them that I. Dude, you, know, you love. Listen, Dumb I'm going to double dip. I'm going to double dip. You love the shit out of Dumb and Dumber. Seriously, you do. Dumb and Dumber, I do love. I, but I, I've seen it so many fucking times at this point. You're going to laugh at me a little bit. I will rewatch T2, Terminator 2. Ooh. I really will. Oh, I respect. I got a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. those are just eminently rewatchable movies. I got to put Tommy Boy as number one on this list, like with a bullet, Luke. I mean, it's just it's impossible. It's it's impossible not to watch that movie. You know, even even today, nine times a year, right? I mean, it's just 49 times, Luke, I watched that in a row. And each time, Holloway won. You know what I mean? Love it. Yes. Okay, and number, Luke, and number five would be Bang Bus, uh, editions one through infinity. Yes, yeah. Emmanuel 9, the new Emmanuel. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke, spin five coming your way. Here we go. All right. All right. Luke, what was the first time you... Robbed a bank. Oh, revisionist mystery. All right, here we go. Okay, it's kind of like revisionist history, Luke, only it's a mystery. We don't really know here. Don't look now, Luke, but you and I are closing in on a two-year anniversary of morning combat. It quite literally has changed mm. my life and career from the standpoints of exposure to creative and artistic happiness to simply, seriously, getting me out of bed each morning fired the friggin' hell up to figure out a new way to make MK even more fun and, and take over the world. Really, MK has been a, a, a joy in my life and my pocket, Luke. But as we learned in the Back to the Future series, one tiny change in our backstory could have a monster ripple effect on the rest of our lives. Although you and I first met at Floyd versus Canelo in 2013 and were cordial acquaintances in the combat sports space in the years that followed mk really wasn't birthed until august of 2018 when chuck mendenhall asked if i would be interested in taking the train to new york city and be july, a technically july july sorry and be a one-time guest on episode 200 of the mma beat he said hey luke had no idea you lived so close he asked if you would be you know willing to join luke but what if i had said no or i couldn't or my employer wouldn't let me, or whatever, right? Or what if Chuck had recommended a, a Canadian, or even the damn schmo, to take my place? The last few years of your career would have looked a lot freaking differently than it does now. I'm sorry, Luke. So in the spirit of that, <laughs> trace back for me using as much detail as you can to our first episode of Morning Combat in July 2019 until now, and try to piece together exactly where you would be today if we had never found our spark on the beat, MK had never become a thing, and you and I simply kept saying what's up to each other twice a year in Vegas, where yeah. would your career be today without yeah. Brian Campbell and Morning Combat? I, mean, I know you seem to think I was struggling, but in many ways you're going to laugh at this. I'm not going to say MK was a step back, but in order to build MK into what it is, I did have to take a bit of a step back. 
um, from all the other projects that I was building. Like if I had just kept on with my YouTube channel, I might be well into 200, maybe 300,000 subs at this point. Um, so, is this your way of saying you've done charity for my career, Luke? By no, no, no. I knew. Budget? I see. There's no way to make that argument without you getting a, a pissed off about it. But that's really not what I'm trying to say. You asked me in a car ride once. What? I'll, I'll peel back the curtain here a little bit. What I wanted out of MK, like what do we want this to be? And everyone's got different little pieces here or there, what they want it to be. And I told you the answer. I'll say it here, and you can tell the audience if I'm lying. I said I wanted to build something great, and I did, and I did, and I didn't think I could do the kind of great thing that I wanted to do on my own. Do I think I could have kept going with the radio show? Like they were giving me shifts on Mad Dog Radio, which is general sports <coughs> to all audiences. It's a much bigger channel. They had me hosting Super Bowl Radio. I probably would have continued down a path of. YouTube on my own personal channel, plus uh, Sirius XM, and then go on in a little bit more of an MMA slash regular sports direction, whereas now I get to go back to combat sports and a much more of a focused one. But I think that would probably be the major difference. I would have just leaned into the strengths that existed before, but to be truthful about it, I don't love regular sports like I like, frankly, even boxing. I don't like... I love soccer, I love football, I love baseball, but I like them in a very casual, I just want it to be fun, I just want to watch, you know, you know, a little bit more for certain teams, obviously, but it's not, it's not my passion, it's not what drives me, it's not what gets me up in the morning in the way that, that fight sports do. So I probably would be doing a lot more regular shifts talking about Kevin Durant and the, the Nets, talking about, you know, whatever the big issue is uh, in regular sports more so than recap but this is why this move was important it's not just the partnership that we had or that we're going to build something great and we're well on our way it's that i i just have a lot more fun talking about and being involved in combat sports and listen paul versus mayweather is kind of silly but i'd rather honestly be there with you uh having a good time than trying to worry about who's on the leaderboard at the masters just because that's good for a potential shift oh, and don't misunderstand me i want to say something serious xm only ever treated me well that's a great opportunity anyone would relish to have i'm just saying if i'm being honest with myself this is a more natural fit than me doing that other stuff it's i don't have to work nearly as hard to just be enthusiastic about it you know it did open, you know, me notwithstanding in your life, it did open doors with uh, Showtime and CBS. 100%. Where do you think, would you, have, would you still be with MMA fighting? Would you have gone to the Athletic no. upon that initial launch? Where do you think you'd be? Oh, um, there's a chance I would have signed for another year with MMA fighting, but not for the MMA hour. We had had, I had told MMA fighting when my contract was coming up that there was no way I was going to do another year. And they basically were like, you know, what do you want to do? Um, and so I gave them some ideas, but then at that point, you and I were already in talks with Showtime, and then um, they came with an offer simply, you know, I know I couldn't refuse. And um, and so now I feel like we're on this process of building something even more special than I thought it could be, but we ha you, you have to acknowledge, we have to start from scratch. It takes time to get where you want to go when you start from scratch. And so um, that's just the reality of it. You know, we did open, and, and shout out to Brendan Schaub, we did open on the Below the Belt channel, and, you know, initially it was like 100,000 every episode, and then we sort of had to uh, right. pivot away and rebuild. Yep. And, uh, it you know. and it sucked. It sucks to build that first 100K. It's not easy, and it takes time. But once you get it, you know, you're, you're, you're going to, you're, you move into another tier of what these kinds of rewards can be. Well, we're I feel getting like. closer, Luke, and we got some yep. big events coming, and, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we're you know, you, we've built a hell of a sitcom here, Luke. It just so happens sometimes we talk <laughs> about combat sports, all right? That's right. That's exactly right. We're building... I, I, don't you believe that? I, I, don't you fucking... Like, when we're 50, uh, whenever... I don't know when this fucking thing's going to come off the rails, but don't you want to look back and say, like, dude, we invested in a long-term project of building something that people really yes. want to be involved in. Yeah, I no, just want to be a part of that. I, 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 you know, I've had cups of coffee on really fun projects. I always bring up my time on the Cheap Heat Wrestling Podcast and ESPN with Peter Rosenberg, where you touch an audience of passion, and you're like, these people will die for this. The boxing podcast I did with Rafe, where people, you know, they your jokes are the soundtrack of their, you know, their conversations. Uh, but I wanted something where p- people. It's must-see freaking TV for them to, to, to take a seat on the bar along with us, Luke. Okay, hopefully we're doing that for people during yeah, these crazy and the, times. And I think the last thing I'd say too, BC, about all of this is like, um, you know, sometimes life takes you in unexpected directions. This was a gamble. Like when we were talking about this show, we were like, listen, here's what we think it is. Here's what we think it can be. This is the, Let's just see what happens. And we went and found out what happened, and it only got bigger over time. So... Listen, I had a lot of things going on that I was personally involved with. BC, maybe I've never told you this, but like, why don't I upload to my personal channel? Even if I wasn't doing content, we never touched. Why don't I upload right now? And I'll be honest with you, man. It's because, dude, for 15 fucking years, I was working two, three jobs all the time. I got tired. I needed help. I wanted someone else to be in the canoe with me to row this motherfucker forward. And I don't really care yeah. what the waters look like if I've got someone else in there with me. But like doing it by yourself, you can do it. It is possible. I'm living proof. And people have done far better than me, truly. But it's hard, man. It's a lot of hard fucking work. And, and I, I just needed help. Luke. Yeah, and now look at my gallbladder. It's falling apart. All right, all right. Well, thank you for taking on this journey, Luke, and obviously all of our people for coming along with us. I do feel, Luke, that as fun as this show is, we've made a decent impact. If we can get in a damn studio, like, a couple times a week together. I know, dude. What are they waiting on at this point, There's honestly? No, no, I'm telling you, this. it might not even look like this show anymore. It might go in weird directions, but I'm ready to go there, okay? I'm ready to go there. Thank you. By the way, That's I know you the- talked to some Showtime folks yesterday. Did they say anything about putting us back in studio? No. But, you know, uh, the, look, the thing, things are changing quick in terms of uh, where we're allowed to, you know, yeah, we're, it's coming. It's coming, Luke. All right, we'll get into some All details right. offline. By the way, uh, Less Than Jake's going to be in Miami, as I said, Luke. I've watched yeah. a rough, aborted rough draft of Doc 3 from that aborted mission to Mohegan. It's very aborted, Luke, but uh, it, it will come out in some form. It's going to be an abstract. It's, it's like going to be one of those weird sequels in a movie franchise where you're like, Remember Halloween 3? It didn't even have Michael Myers. It's going to be like that. But hopefully we can bounce back in a big way in Miami and, and bring some good right. content. Maybe you'll even buy in this time on the dock, Luke. We'll see. I mean, it depends what they want. If they want to come in my room and watch me eat acai under the sheets, your boy ain't playing games. But uh, I did see some rough, raw footage of you in the gym at Mohegan. Not happy that the cameras were there. So get ready. Yeah, for okay, I mean, right. just like... Dude, I don't understand these like these people who vlog for a living. Like, I don't mind vlogging for like a week. Oh, I'm on a week. I'm on location here, blah, blah, blah. But like just to give your whole private life to YouTube, oh my God, that sounds like the worst idea ever. Yeah, the Paul brothers have done it to the tune of millions, though, Luke. All right, let's go. That's yeah, the but like, dude, you have week. no inner life. I mean, fuck no, you that. don't. It breaks up. Didn't we learn reality TV breaks up marriages, Luke? The Lachey's, the uh, the Hogan's. All right, let's hope it doesn't happen to us through this stupid documentary that I live and die for. All right, Luke, uh, every week also on Wednesdays, uh, morningcombat at gmail.com is your home for sending in 
uh, I don't know, your artwork, your videos, pictures of you wearing our merch, uh, whatever you want to do. It's called fan submissions. We've got mail. All mail review. Fan subs. It's raining mail. Hallelujah. Luke, we start off with Arthur from LA. What's up, Luke in BC? Took my MK Merch 1.0 on the road again during my visit to Nashville. Here I am spreading the holy gospel of MK in front of the state capitol. No sieges occurred. Thank you for your continued dedication and work on MK's way to the moon. It's MK all day, nearly every day. May all of your Canadian MMA journalists be loyal. Two words, we out. Arthur from Los Angeles, a true gentleman in the game, this fellow, Luke. Yeah, great picture, great shirt. I'm glad he lived close enough to get merch, unlike the rest of the universe. But uh, yeah, nice. You know, I don't, I don't. He might be. He may have been in the in the weight room, Luke. He fills out that that schmedium pretty well there. All right. Doesn't look like a weight room candidate, but you never know. All right, I, I got your back, Art. All right, I'll spot you. Uh, this is from Petrit D. Hi, Donks. Just wanted to share a quick little video. Notice what I'm listening to on my phone. Enjoying an MC trip around the fjords of Norway. Take care. Can we run some audio, Manich? Manich? Big Manich, Larry Hoover. Whipping work, hallelujah. I can't hear anything. Poor dog. Can you run the audio? fucking bridge damn alright end it thanks Corey so apparently he's listening to MK while driving over the world's longest bridge as I hear Um, myself again yeah Norway looks beautiful I love that we have fans Luke from Doha to Detroit alright and shout out to Petrit from Norway thank you for repping our game right there one day we'll get you international shipping one day all right luke todd m is back he says hey guys the idea was started by the great jordan breen some years ago it's the mma museum of inanimate objects i've assembled the best batch of objects that i can remember for the time being feel free to add anything i missed i know there are plenty out there i think it really speaks to the history of the sport and perhaps why mma has such fertile soil for memes keep your tips sharp luke your thoughts on this i mean the bisping eye seems a little insensitive you know, Tiramisu. Oh, I got tiramisu right there. We got buffers tuxedo, right? Uh, you got the misspelled ghee. You got. Man, do you remember Rampage's truck? For folks who may not remember this, he got arrested once because he drove his monster truck with his fucking face on it and his whole body on it. And this was when he was a lot more popular. He's obviously kind of faded a little bit, but when he was pretty fucking popular, drove it around, got hit a pregnant woman. By the way, uh, all kinds of shit happened, and he was not in- drunk. He had he was sleep deprived and uh, high off of energy drinks to the point where he was seeing things like he was literally yeah, hallucinating. Yes, that was the truck. Okay, we've got Habib's hat, John Jones's Bentley, the dick pills caught by Usada, Cody McKenzie's shorts, and uh, what is he this had thing? Cody McKenzie had the Walmart tag on his shorts in the cage. Oh my god. Because he just amazing. went and got got the shit, you know, and then walked into the uh, to the octagon. Yeah, they were not I see happy. John Jones's Pico Grams. Uh, Manich, one more time, if you don't mind. I'm just trying to uh, figure this out. Oh, Art Jimerson's one glove. Yeah. Misspelled Reebok kits. Uh, Benson Henderson's toothpicks. Look, this is brilliant. Connor's yeah. Uh, dolly. Yeah, I love it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. 
I love it. Well done. Well done. All right. I, and never forget. Hashtag never forget that speedo in the in the uh, in the octagon too, Luke. Yes, Dennis, Dennis Hallman. Dennis. Uh, yes. All right. MD slides in says this is basically how the Luke Valerie interview went. I even refaced the Sandlot's Wendy Peppercorn for accuracy. <laughs> I didn't even ask to do that interview. They fucking made me. <laughs> what What was my text that I kept sending you? My, uh, huge click. Don't huge don't heart. do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Luke, it, it, we'll never forget that interview, okay? Or the one when you asked what her DMs look like. Oh, I don't regret that at all. All right. Uh, Forest KOS it says, Hey, BC, not sure if you have LinkedIn, but I have made you a new profile pic, BC the Greek. <laughs> oh, yes yes by yeah, the way dude. Luke, shout out to yanni the greek he 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 reached out to me and said he loves our show and does watch it i mean I, look in in a in a in a dark jail cell if yanni the greek opened his mouth we would have light to, to get to the end of the tunnel luke i, I mean that you, guy's got you ever like you ever like look for something when you're lost and you just pull the phone out and you hit the you hit the lamp on the phone you know like the thing yeah that's when when yanni when yanni smiles it's just light everywhere it's you just know? lights i mean i've got coffee soaked yellow gross factory teeth luke this guy yeah. yanni is ahead of the game he also put the picture back up put the picture back up two things about this one it's like if he opens his mouth it's like when when uh ving rames opens up the case in pulp fiction and all the light comes out that's one yes. two in this rendering i gotta tell you you look like eric trump do you not? Well, I, I'm because I'm I'm fairly fat and gross at this moment, Luke. I'm wondering if I get into into really good shape again. That that's probably peak BC at 42, right? Right there. That that Yanni the Greek setup there. If I slick back the hair, right? It is a little Eric Trumpy, and I'll give you that. I but. think if you slick back the hair, I'm going to tie you down in your sleep and shave your head. All right. All right. Luke, considering the success we had on the crossover weighing in pod with, you know, Josh Thompson getting into our marriage bed and you doing nothing about it, I'm excited for future crossovers with... Uh, you are such a hell about this. It's unbelievable. Job, Yanni the Greek. I mean, look, we got a lot of, you know, a lot of people out there we can make great, great moments with on, 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 the, uh, on the podcast game. All right. Uh, this is from Appy Fatathon. He's got two of them. The first one says, Hi, guys. I'm sure you both agree the highlight of the show's most recent evolution has been Luke's spontaneous and sincere plugs for Showtime merch and subscriptions. Here he is convincing us. P.S. I enclose a photo of me, David, and my cat, Bowie, trying to follow the boxing and UFC main events at the same time at 5 a.m. on a Sunday over here in France. P.S. Mm. or P.P.S. Luke Thomas changed my life by shaming me into some cable management before taking this pick. Keep up the good work at Appy Fatathon, a.k.a. French HR Snooker Nightmare. I don't know what most of that means, but can we blow up this pick here, Manich? Can you go back, Manich? What the hell was that? So there's the cat Bowie, right? Where's the pick of the dude? Okay. Well, strong cable management there in France, Luke. I do shout out to those Euro bros who have to stay up really late. Like when you and I complain about, you know, late East Coast start times, these people, they have a different life out there, Luke, okay? Yeah, it sucks. I agree. All right. And by the way, Bowie, probably my second favorite cat behind Millie right now in terms of fan submissions. Uh, also, here's a Luke meme from the same guy, Luke. 
Now, am I supposed to be Gamora from the Avengers? Who am I here? I don't watch superhero shit, Luke. Yeah, you're too cool for that, huh? <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, thank you, David. Okay. The guy's name is David, and he named his cat Bowie. Are you okay with that? No, not really. It's pretty lame, but what are you going to do? All right. I mean, you can name your cat Booger. Is Booger still alive? I love that cat. Oh, that's a really nice way to say something about my... But yeah, for folks who may not know, uh, here's an update on my cat. He is dying, unfortunately. Um, yeah. He has a cancer in his face that is... Uh, it's gone behind his eyeball. It is now inoperable. And they gave him roughly two to three months to live. So we're just trying to give him pain medication so he can get through his day. And at some I point, we're going to have to call, call When I met day. my wife, she had this like legacy amazing cat named Ziggy. He he got cancer when we got married. He lived another three years. He lived until he was eighteen. So maybe yeah, Booker's but this got dude some... has this dude has like aggressive cancer and it's blown up one side of his face, uh, and uh, they can't take it out. So I don't want him to suffer. So if he gets to a point where he's you know suffering really badly, then we're just gonna call it. Yeah, a you will do the humane thing there. All right, thank you, thank you. Wow. Okay, Connor. Okay, F, I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm glad this was brought up. So yeah, my cat's dying. Everyone. Yay. Yeah. Let's flip. Well, we're all dying slowly. Look, let's flip the script here. The, Connor F says the year is 2041. John Jones is still teasing his move to heavyweight. McGregor versus Poirier 17 has been booked with Dustin having won the last 15 against him. Jay Aaron is still recording music for some reason, and Merch 2.0 still has not been. And released Luke this is incredible incredible Dude, I actually I actually somehow look slightly better <laughs> <laughs> so by the way that's not far from what my dad actually looks like now only he's got like more he's got bigger hair and he's got like a salt and pepper mix but can we should yeah. pull that up again here please that kind of still looks like my dad a little what's that sign say Kevin Lee finally champion yes <laughs> yes <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a good job that they did. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, if I look this way, I'd actually feel like an improvement because I am just so unbelievably washed and Luke, what does your dad look like? Does, is that what he looks like? like does that, he have facial hair? Like that. Like this. Mm -hmm. Does he have a beard? Yes. A, a Santa Claus one? Yes. All right. All right, Rob, Robert. Thank you. Okay, let's keep it rolling here. This is from Brandon M. I love the show and I wanted to submit my fan submission. Thanks for all you do. Wait, what does mine say? Please, please don't notice me, Josh. Morning oh, Josh, Josh Thompson. Is that what it is? I guess. Oh, yes. Bellator 258 preview. Yes. God, that's funny. That is well done there. All right. Hey, Luke, you know who's back? Dickles. Remember that guy owned our show for a while? What He's got two this week. Well, here's his message. Hey, MK, finally back with a couple new fan submissions. I've been busy working trying to keep up with our increased monthly bills since the wife and I bought our first house in August. Congrats, Dickles. Morning Combat helps me get through the week and provide the perfect ambient background noise. Hey, Dickles, we're way more than background noise, you jerk. Let me see uh, Let me see the full, the full uh, Monty here. He God, says, I they greatly gave me appreciate Jake Paul's haircut. Fuck, man. Well, hold on a second. He says, I greatly appreciate the hard work on and off screen that goes into one of the best combat sports shows around. Actually, it is the best, Dickles. I hope the show numbers continue to sky skyrocket like BC's cholesterol. So, Luke, here's a morning <laughs> Paul chat 
Since it's now bro time at Showtime with the recent addition of untested American boxing legend Jake Paul, Morning Combat <laughs> might want to make a spin-off show to cover all the upcoming Paul brother duchery that will, we will be forced to digest. In an effort Dude, to really capture spin-off that show, stage, motherfucker, demo, you got us talking Paul brothers every show. He says, I gave Luke and BC a much-needed Paul brother makeover to appease to the youth. Hope you enjoy it. Meech, can you blow that up again, please? Um, I was just in Puerto Rico capturing plenty of duchery. Luke, this is brilliant. You, you're Jake, and I'm the Maverick. Is that what that is? You know how much... You know, here's what I hate about this Photoshop, is that <laughs> how much younger and better I look. <laughs> like, the glasses are terrible, but... I'm like, wow, man. There's a little bit of youthful vigor in that. I got earrings and shit, you know? And you now know, I just look is, in the mirror and I'm good. just like, want to set the whole house on fire and collect the insurance money. Paul Brothers, Paul Paul the Time. Luke, Dickles is coming for everything WebScream worked for. I mean, this guy's good, Luke. Okay. All right, hurry up because I got, I got a turtle head poking out. Let's go. All right. <laughs> You're crowning like the king of England. Uh, finally, from Dickles. Factory Town MMA footage. Here's some leaked footage from Factory Town MMA. Hope all is well and thank you to the entire staff of Morning Combat. MK Strong all day long. Yeah, Bro, Luke. Uh, You've been, uh, you been training these two guys? Yeah, they, they are our first uh, customers. Uh, first, oh, wow. Oh, God. Wow, Luke. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, we're still looking for a dedicated space, Luke. So we're using my living room. Oh wow, <laughs> we put well, on our first I mean, fight card. Yeah, you know, what are we is, doing here? What are we doing? Okay, Dickles, that is. Uh, oh wow, well, this is also <laughs> how we train, Luke. Yes, that is. This is, uh, this is you in your driveway before your wife sees you coming home from the grocery store. <laughs> you know what the gross thing is? People said like I could play Joey Chestnut in a movie about his life. I don't. I don't agree with that, Luke. Okay. Oh, this, mean, is when the they fought, this is when they fought and rubbed their asses all over <laughs> every, all the produce at the Wawa. Look at this. Look at this guy's gross ass. Look at that. Oh, he's coming with the yeah. knife. We did bring a Coach Fabio for a seminar at Factory Town MMA, Luke. And then, uh, oh, wow. This is, uh, this is great. This dude <laughs> okay. got like, what does this guy have? Like a, what the fuck? Is this like Dickles' Have You Seen This Shit moment right here? He's, he's got a lot of them, Luke. Bop, and we, bop. And we brought oh, Ke- snap. We brought Kevin Ioli on right there, as you can see, Luke, for a seminar as well. Uh, we, oh, oh look, at, look at that oh, ass. God. <laughs> what is happening right now? Dickles, look at that. Oh, here we go. Dude, 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 Dickles <laughs> went to work on this highlight reel. He just found all the dub tea. He's like, bring me your white trash from South <laughs> Africa. Bring me your white trash from Leeds. I don't give a fuck. I want to put all of them in here. Oh, what was that? That guy went for the, uh, yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Is that you know what? I got to say, I don't know how good the cardio is of your Padawan. Oh, Not took his shirt yet. off for no particular reason. Yeah, oh, we need- went naked for no particular reason. <laughs> We need to hire some instructors, Luke. Right now, it's just uh, it's just me and. Uh, you see, this is that was not an effective recruitment tool for students. <laughs> I will chasing say, them fact- down wearing a mankini. <laughs> yeah, Factory Town MMA is still in production. It is coming. Okay, it is coming. It is. We just yeah. Wow. Okay, Luke. Uh, thank if you. We Dickles. don't fight you, you. We're gonna fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that in mind, I think we're done for the day. So let's remind yeah, that's everyone. It. That's it, Luke. Thumbs that's up it, on the video. Hit subscribe. Live chat tomorrow at 3. 
the last show of the week will be on Friday. BC, do you have anything you want to tell us about any content that you have produced coming our way, or still we're going to wait and see on that? No, you're still you want to check out the Gervonta Davis sit down that I had right now available on youtube.com slash morning combat. And yes, later this week, uh, it'll be in video form on the Showtime Sports uh, pages. I know it'll we can't in, put it on MK. I'm so bitter about that. It'll be in story form on CBSSports.com. I'm sure you can see some of it on CBS Sports HQ. I have sit downs or stand ups with Logan Paul, Jake Paul. Had a nice chat with uh, Logan's trainer as well. So uh, some of that content will be available next week as well during fight week. And Luke, we are just days away, you and I, from um, hopping on a plane, heading on down to South Beach, taking our talents there. Uh, meet me in Miami, right? You know what I'm saying? I can't I'm wait ready. to see you in Miami. We got, we got a weekend off because, by the way, we still need people to contribute questions to the mailbag episode. So oh, if yeah, you want to no, do we're that. We're recording that tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're recording that tomorrow. So if you want to get the questions in, now's the time. Now's the time. You just leave a review on Apple Podcast and then put a question there. Give us a nice five-star review. We appreciate it. And then we will get to it. Um, Look, okay. you, think, you think Stack and Matt Barnes on all the smoke would welcome us for a crossover? Probably not. We're two losers. But I'll say this. You see, you mentioned standing up and sitting down. I'm about to sit down and go number two. And then I'm going to stand up to clean it because I really need to go. All right, dude. Uh, I forgot with, you do. Wait, I forgot you. That is so <laughs> gross that you do that. That is so like, like. Listen, I'm not the one old, who just, you're. You're the one who walks around fight week being like, dude, my butthole is unbelievably itchy. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm actually maybe really you should good. clean Luke, it more. I, since I do it three times a day, I'm actually really good at it. Luke turns out okay. You know, I'm very, I'm very clean down there. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not welcoming you for salad tossing, but I'm okay. telling you, it's, uh, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm gonna have to take your word for it because I'm about to have a butt uh, explosion. So if you want to try Showtime, you can go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial for wonderful content like this. Uh, if you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. There's merch store.show.com. Email the show for dead wrong morning combat at gmail.com. For whatever you need, there's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. I'll see you tomorrow for the live chat. We'll both see you on Friday for Friday's show. Until next time, may for Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports, may all of your gains be loyal.